Welcome, guys. Welcome to the Vikings Voice podcast with Sean Zimmer. I'm excited for this conversation with you today. I have my man, Terry Anthony, here co-hosting with me. We're going to be diving into an interesting topic right now that is going on in Canada, and I'm sure to come to other places in the world as well, something that I want to open a dialogue up on. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, Welcome. I am here to help you sharpen your axe. I am a man of the light, wanting to do my best to help as many people within my reach to raise their consciousness, get rid of the fear, and gain faith that we can take sovereignty over ourselves and our lives here and make the most out of it and actually turn this place into a beautiful thing. And I I'm happy to be here sponsored by the Phenom Foundation and ask you if you get value from this podcast, take a screenshot right now or at the end of the podcast and put it up on your Instagram story. Even tag me. I'd be happy to share it and connect with you. My Instagram handle is Sean J. Zimmer. That's S-H-A-U-N-J-Z-I-M-M-E-R. Make sure you spell the whole thing and don't click on the one that may pop up first. There are... Other people who pretend to be me, and for some reason, Instagram tends to put those people first for you to see them instead of me, who are out there to try to scam you. Now, I have a 90-second clip I'm going to put on here to show you what this episode today is about, and then we will open the dialogue after here. Imagine choosing death over homelessness. That's what one St. Catharines man is contemplating. Tonight on City News, we continue to delve into medically assisted dying and how some believe it is their only option to living in poverty. Are you afraid to die? Who isn't? Yeah, it, 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 uh... Amir Farsoud has applied for medically assisted dying, known as MAID. He lives in constant agony due to a back injury, but has started the process for end of life because his rooming house is up for sale and he can't find anywhere else to live that he can afford. He barely survives on Ontario disability support payments, which are just over $1,200 a month. He doesn't want to die, but being homeless is not an option. I know in my present health condition I would survive it anyway. Farsud meets the criteria for MAID, physical suffering due to disability that cannot be relieved. His doctor, who knows Farsud's real reason for MAID is his fear of being homeless, signed off on the application in August. Farsud needs a second to do the same. There's a 90-day waiting period. He believes he could potentially access MAID in about a month. I don't wish to be dead, um, even with the pain, even with the meds. Um, I still want to be here. So that is the topic today and what's going on in Canada. Coming March 2023, just a few short months away, it will be available. Assisted suicide through our government 
from anybody just with a mental health disorder. I'm Matt Terry. As I said here, you guys, if you tuned in the last podcast or one of the last ones, he was here co-hosting with me. Terry, here in that video, now Terry and I are just jumping in on this conversation right here. What are your thoughts here in that, my man? Uh, well, there's so many thoughts that just start to wander through your mind, to be honest with you. The very first thing is I, you feel for the individual. You feel for that guy. The fact that um, he feels so desperate that he feels this is his only, his only way out. And he clearly states he has no desire to die. He's just, he's scared. It really is what it is. He's coming from fear and he's scared. And, and, to, and to think that the, the government, the people that are really supposed to be there for the people aren't listening to the fact that this man is just scared and he just needs a little support. We're supporting so many people in so many other ways, but this guy, we can't get a little bit of support in, in helping him find a solution to this, this situation. The very first thing is I think, wow, the amount of fear this man must have to even consider this is a str- wow. And that's a man who is considering it because of his situation with poverty. Mm-hmm. And his doctor signing off on it now because he does have a medical disability that allows him to be covered right now for it, but knowing that it is because of his issue with not even being able to afford to live. That part blows me away that the doctor would even sign off knowing that he wants to live, but he feels like he has no other choice. So he's just willing to I'll say, okay, I'll sign this off so you could take this path. It, it, it doesn't seem moral to me as far as a doctor's position is. It's not in, in my, in my, uh, in my uh, concern, it does not either. And it's, uh, you know, I'm at a loss of words right now, actually just thinking on this topic. Before we jumped on here, I took uh, a lot of feedback from uh, people that uh, follow me on social media. Um, we'll dive into some of these contents, uh, uh, some of the comments soon that I uh, got from so many, you know, people obviously just outraged by it. A lot of parents that really sat deep with me right now. Um, tough to read. And, and, you know, I even resonate with my father on this and, you know, as a brother, um, which we'll dive into my sister, somebody who is uh, suffering with, you know, many um, ailments, let's say many uh, psychological issues, um, been on a, a cocktail of uh, medications since uh, a young teenager. And uh, that is, you know, for me, one of the biggest topics here to dive into um, is the um, pharmaceutical industry, uh, mainstream uh, medical system, and what's being pushed, you know, by psychiatrists at a young age um, for children um, going through these issues who aren't ever being first brought to, you know, let's look at your diet What's, you know, what's the trauma you're holding on to from around the household? What are the, what, what's your environment like? Um, what's your exercise like? What kind of, f- what kind of food are you putting in your body? Um, you know, how are you taking care of the temple? Um, which is what our body is mm-hmm. and which so many of these different issues we know through not just my personal opinion, but through countless case studies and research that they can be almost easily, I will use that word, and I know it's probably offensive to some, but easily 
um, solved with natural remedies. Yet we have the pharmaceutical industry being pushed, pushed very hard. And I know probably many of the listeners right now, um, I don't know if you're familiar, Terry, there's a lot of doctors who get a kickback from prescribing pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. Now that's a, a, of a great concern, <laughs> you know, and, and sorry guys, we'll probably be going in many directions on this right now, because for me, it's just a, a an overwhelming feeling between, you know, that right there, um, the issues the pharmaceutical industry cause. And now I'm not, don't, if you're listening here and be like, oh, this guy's just totally against all medication and whatnot, don't, I, I don't want to leave that impression with you. Um, it's definitely a last resort um, for anything I ever look at and, and very minimal to the degree that I would ever entertain, um, if any. Um, I'm not saying they've never served purpose for anybody, but the amount of antidepressant drugs that people are pushed on, I know you have a lot of experience with that. And, you know, looking at the world where it is today, what's happened the last three years, the amount of depression that has been pushed upon people um, just instilled in them. Literally, here you go. Here's a friggin' whole fucking serving of depression, a plateful for you as we shut down your life and rip you apart from your family. You know, not to mention or to mention doing so after um, such pharmaceutical um, giants have admitted that they never even had the research done that transmission would be stopped through the use of those pharmaceuticals, let's call them, keep the words careful here before we get flagged. So they were tearing families apart, shutting businesses down, pulling people out of the home, having people watch their family members die over Zoom and saying, okay, you can all get together now, or only if you get this fucking shot that stops transmission. Now they've admitted it. And so many people have gone behind that. You don't even, aren't even aware that that's been released right now. So we have that whole side of the equation. Everybody that has just been put in such a dark place, the divide through so many communities, so many families, so many households, so many workplaces. And then now look at the cost of living. You know, I'm a man who has his daughter half the time and I choose to eat organic, healthy food. And I go to the farmer's market to get my meat. I spend around $700 a week on food. Now I eat a lot of fruit and a lot of meat. Two of the most expensive things on the grocery list, $700 a week. People are being forced to eat the poisons, the toxins, let's call them, shit that's sprayed with pesticides and who knows what else is actually going on behind the scenes. Now I'm ranting here. Let me, you know, Terry, you, you butt in. Let me breathe on this for a sec because I can keep going. I'm not even touching the whole other side of the story here. Well, mental health has been, there's been a, uh, a rise in mental health issues for the last couple of decades. Prior to the whole last couple of years, there's been a, a uh, massive increase in the amount of antidepressants and antipsychotics that they've been uh, prescribing to people. And then the last couple of years has been, you know, I'm sure, I don't know the stats on it, but I'm sure there's, it hasn't dipped at all. So even without the last few years that we've that we've all gone through, it's there's there's been a problem, and and I've had lots of conversations about this topic with multiple people over the last a lot over the last twenty four hours, and uh, over the last uh, several weeks for sure, and one of the so what 
a common factor in the story was they didn't feel listened to. They, I, I was uh, talking to someone and their, uh, they were, they had, their friend was suicidal and uh, they were younger and the friend was suicidal and he tried to commit suicide. And when he tried to commit suicide, the parents called the police. They were scared. So the police came out and they surrounded the, the young man. And when they, you know, they didn't, you know, they just corralled him basically to help him save his life. And when they got him, they, they, they listened to him and they actually, they talked to him. They were the police. So they're trying to be non-confrontational and they're trying to talk him down. And the young man was saying how he felt so listened to by the police. So he got into the car and when they took him to the hospital, one of the police officers actually stayed in the hospital with him, waited when the psychiatrist came. And this was eight, 10 hours later, because it takes a long time to get in to even see one of these professionals. So eight, 10 hours later, this, this police officer was still with them, sat in the meeting with the psychiatrist, talking and listening. And, and the young man said he really felt listened to by the, by the police officers. And as soon as that meeting was over, the police had to leave. And he said he he immediately felt disconnected from anybody or anyone around them. And then they, so they prescribed him some pills. They said he had to come back next week and he came back for the next five or six weeks. And he was supposed to have these meetings that were supposed to last an hour long. And there were 20 minutes, he said, 20 minutes to 30 minutes apiece. And the whole discussion was around drugs. They weren't asking him anything about himself or what was going on or how he was feeling. It was about how are the drugs? How are you? And twice he said that he still had suicidal thoughts and both times they upped this. Is drug well, yeah, let's, let's up the dose or give you give you something else to counter effect these side effects from the first drug that we gave you, right? But now he didn't feel like there was any help. So after five or six weeks, he said, he said he just quit. He said, no, I don't. He said he quit taking the drugs and he said, just stop going. But his whole point was all I wanted, I felt so listened to by the police and that's why he went with them. But he doesn't feel listened to by these professionals that are in the system. Now, I've, I've had plenty of experience uh, – uh, unfortunately, with these types of situations. And um, the biggest complaint that I get from people that are searching for the mental health is they don't feel listened to. They really want to be, they, they want to be heard. They want someone to understand them. They want someone, you know, maybe they don't want to have a pat on the back and say everything's going to be okay, but they want someone to to connect with them in a way that they actually feel like, they're normal, they're understood, they've been heard. I, they just want that connection. They don't want a magic blue pill or whatever the hell it is to take these thoughts away. They, they want to feel connected to society or they want to feel connected to something, something that brings them out of the shell that they're living in. Look, the, the biggest thing I look at, um, you know, and I, as I said, I have a sister um, in this situation and Many past clients, you know, both Terry and myself were were coaches um, working with mental health. Really, um, a lot of physical parts for for myself as well, but it all dives down to the mental health. And I know you have had many people you've worked with that have had these issues and been put through the system, right? Mm-hmm. Drama. But, yeah, and I, as have I. And you know, when I read this this one article right now of uh, on, on Julie LeBlanc who is a Canadian redis, uh, resident, um, when she's feeling most hopeless, it tugs at her thoughts, this new bill being pushed in March. For days, she forgets to eat or doesn't even shower. She thinks about it more than she knows she should. On March 17th, assisted dying will become legal for Canadians with a mental disorder as their sole condition. 
and Miss LeBlanc can apply. She has been struggling with mental illness since she was eight years old. At 13, at age 13, she was prescribed her first trial of antidepressants. Now at 31, she has tried too many medications to count. Repeat, at 31, she has tried too many medications to count and spent much of her life either in therapy or waiting on a list to receive it. Balanced between doctors, she has been given multiple diagnoses, depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, borderline personality disorder. Nothing is mentioned in there of diet, of any work she's done with anybody outside the mainstream medical system that focuses on drugs, on pushing pharmaceuticals. Now, I'm not saying everybody inside falls under this category. We do have some shining white knights as we have you in the school system. Let me dive in a little bit for the listeners to understand where we're at here. Canada will soon offer doctor-assisted death to the mentally ill. Who should be eligible? Let's see here. In March, Canada will become one of the few nations in the world allowing medical aid in dying, or MAD, MADE, for people whose sole underlying condition is depression, bipolar disorder, personality disorders, schizophrenia, PTSD, or any other mental affliction. I'm going to go to the government website here. Who can provide medical assistance in dying and who can help? Those who can provide are physicians and nurse practitioners. Those who can help provide pharmacists and pharmacy technicians, family members or other people that you ask to help, healthcare providers who help physicians or nurse practitioners. Now, eligibility for medical assistance in dying, right off the Canadian website here, section 241.21. A person may receive medical assistance in dying only if they meet all the following criteria. A, they are eligible or, but for any applicable minimum period of residence or waiting period would be eligible for health services funded by a government in Canada. B, they are at least 18 years of age and capable of making decisions with respect to their health. Now, we'll dive even further into that as we get further into this site here with Canada on that age limit because that is not actually the case. C, they have a grievous and immediate medical condition. They have D, they have made a voluntary request for medical assistance in dying that in particular was not made as a result of external pressure. And E, they give informed consent to receive medical assistance in dying after having been informed of the means that are available to relieve their suffering, including palliative care. Now, informed consent... I think anybody who has their eyes open a little bit can see how well we've been doing in North America with informed consent the last two years. Well, not only that. So our mental health system. Listen, the, the mental health system is based on taking people that are in a position that are not capable of making proper decisions for their best interest. And, and, they, and they take these people, may they be going through a schizophrenic or a bipolar episode or or a borderline personality, BBD, and, and what they're, they're frantic, they're panicking, they're in a, at a place of absolute dis, despair, and they're upset. The world, their world internally is falling apart, and sometimes externally. Now, these people, the whole idea is they get into this position, and the mental health system is supposed to be there to catch them and say, okay, you're not making good choices for yourself right now. Um, may you've been brought there by... Uh, a loved one, um, 
a lot of times they, they know they're going into these situations, so they go to a, a crisis response center and they go there themselves and they say, listen, I need some help because I'm going to hurt myself. And the mental health system is supposed to be there to intervene and stop and say, okay. And a lot of times they'll take these, these people, these situations, and they'll, and they'll keep them. They'll keep them for 72 hours, and then I've personally seen them kept for two, three months because they're so unstable. And basically, they're there to say, okay, let's get you stable again and help you make good choices for yourself. So this, this MAID is a total contradiction to the mental health system that is there to stop and help people get back to a more balanced way of thinking, more balanced way of living. This MAID is saying, okay, so when you're at your lowest points, when you're absolutely desperate and when you're feeling like, like a bag of shit and you can't do it no more, we're going to give you a different way out. And has anybody listening been there? Have you ever been in that position where you were almost ready to give up? You had something so overwhelming. Think about back to your teenage days, heartbreak. Coming into the world, the working world, maybe outside of school or being kicked out of school, dropping out, having an abusive father or abusive mom, a broken family. How many things have you worked through but at a time thought there was no future? I know for me there was. And diving into section two here on what you just spoke, continuing off the Canadian side here, a person has a grievous or remediable medical condition only if they meet all the following criteria. A, they have a serious and incurable illness, disease, or disability. B, they are in an advanced state of irreversible decline in capability. And C, that illness, disease, or disability or the state of decline causes them enduring physical or psychological suffering that is intolerable to them and that cannot be relieved under conditions that they consider acceptable, that they consider acceptable. When they're in their worst When they're in the worst making. place. When they're in the worst place yeah. in a world where there's so much misinformation, so much confusion out there on what is healthy, what is not, which is done by design, by the way, to make you get to the point of just saying, ah, fuck it. You have so much contradicting information out there. You're like, oh, I don't even know. Is this healthy? Is that healthy? Is it not healthy? Screw it. I'm just going to go with this fucking path and destroy my body. They literally have designed that. If you haven't woken up to that yet, realize it. They don't have you where you're being led to what's actually going to take care of you. Even if they were, let's just pretend for a second that the government was giving us everything that we needed to sustain and be happy. Let's just pretend that everything was perfect that the government was giving us. The idea that they're giving these people that are in their lowest moments of of their decision-making life at that point, this option. And when you read out the, started reading out the, the requirements, my heart fell. And the reason my heart fell is this, and I'm going to be totally honest here about something, is uh, I have uh, an old relationship, a lady that I dated, Absolutely wonderful heart of a woman, just a beautiful soul. And um, when I first dated her, I did. When I first started dating her, I had no idea she had these mental health orders. She had uh, uh, BPD and uh, uh, bipolar dis- disorder, and I had no idea she hit it really well for the first year. And then all of a sudden, she had a, a breakdown, which just caught me right off guard. Well, now my heart's invested in this relationship, and I'm in love with this woman, and I'm not going to leave her. Me being a loyal individual, I'm going to stand by her side. Well, what I did was I really started to, to research and understand this disorder, these disorders, and, and 
experience them at a new level. Now, I watched her over the years. I, I had saved this girl a dozen times. I've, I've walked into a room and, and seen the blood all over the place. Called 911. I've raced through traffic to, to find her somewhere. Like I was committed to the idea of, of being the best that I could be so she could actually find the best that she could be. And I'll, I'll tell you this. When, when she wasn't drinking, when she was eating good food, because I'm same as you, organic food, the best food that I could buy, when she was, when she was exercising, so when I kept her on a, a good exercise regimen, a really good food regimen, talking about uh, you know discussing our feelings and her feelings, so I could understand where she was in uh, relation to her her thoughts. When when she was really living life, the correctly, we'll say and may that be the right or wrong word, when she was living it to the best of her abilities, she was so happy. This woman was an amazing artist. She she could, she could painted like there was no tomorrow. I've never seen anybody write with so much passion. And she was a, an amazing baker, and she created so many things. She was such an amazing individual when she was riding at her normal high, we'll say. And that was just living life as the best that she could. And then if something came along that caused her some sort of uh, a trigger from her trauma or caused her to, you know, she stopped eating properly or she went out with her friends and binge drank for a night, something happened and it, it switched on this, this disorder, it almost seemed, it, she could dive. Now, this, this dive could be a week, it could be two weeks, it could be a month. But if I stood by her, and got her and listened to her and and it wasn't always easy and and got her to eat the the best foods and got her back to exercises if i just stood there and was by her side and supported her she always came out of it but if and you know there's been times i had to take her to the hospital and all they did was change up her medication give her more medication make her dopey, make her not feel, make her whatever. And her biggest complaint every time that we that we went somewhere was people aren't listening to me. They're treating me like I'm crazy. They're, they, they're not really paying attention to anything I'm saying. And it and there there's there's still more to the story that they're that I'm telling at the moment. But here's why my heart sunk. This was such a beautiful person. She's such a beautiful person. And when I heard this maids was coming out I'm scared that once she hits one of these valleys, if she doesn't have someone to be there by her side, she'll pick this. And the problem with this is that she had so much, she's given so much to the world already. She's written books. She's, she's helped so many people. She's done uh, therapy and counseling with uh, different young people and other people around. She's given so much to the world already that if she had this choice five years ago, 10 years ago, she wouldn't have been able to give all those gifts to the world. And now the world might miss out on it if no one's there for her now, like the government should be, like this community should be. And if she chooses this, it'll break my fucking heart. Well, and listening to you before you spoke on that, you know, we're going to reference some of these comments that I received on people who have gone through some beautiful transformations through dark depression and saying exactly that, how much the world would have missed out on, how much they would have missed out on. And as you were speaking before there, Terry, I, 
my attention got brought back to our last conversation on, on love being the test, love being the answer and the test. As I was reflecting on, you know, my, the words I'm sharing here on this podcast and I could feel the anger coming out in me, uh, mm-hmm. talking about it. And I know, um, you know, I've done enough work to know that anger comes from a place of fear. Um, as you mentioned with your last partner, this initially made me think of my sister and I messaged both my parents, um, and asked them what their thoughts were. My mom was totally against it and in great concern. My sister, um, is definitely, um, you know, somebody who would probably, um, easily approve for this, uh, new procedure being brought out. My dad wasn't even aware of the new bill. And as I'm thinking on this, just, you know, just on that last topic. And as I talk into, you know, leaning, leaning into your faith and letting go of the fear, it's, uh, I'm finding it a challenging one. Um, as I, as I, you know, I find myself here as I see you just rewind two minutes, three minutes and listen to me talk. You can tell my voice is, you know, it's, it's, it's rising. Um, I'm, I'm not being as precise with my words as I typically am. And it's, uh, it, it comes from a place of fear. Um, and you know, as a father, like, listen to this article here. I don't know if you heard this one or not, Terry. This is a Canadian's mom, a Canadian mom's harrowing tale shows the real dangers of legal euthanasia. When Margaret... Marcilla found out her 23-year-old son scheduled his own death. She started her race against time. As October 11th, the story of a Canadian mother who discovered that her son scheduled himself to die. Her story offers a real-life account of the dangers that legalized euthanasia can pose to individuals in distress, the families they leave behind, and society as a whole. Margaret Marcilla, 46, is a mother of two who lives in Toronto with her husband and daughter. Her 23-year-old son, Keanu, lives with his aunt and generally keeps his business to himself. Marcilla often worries about her Keanu because he suffers from depression that stems from his diabetes, a condition that worsened this summer, causing the loss of sight in one of his eyes. Marcilla's worries for her son's well-being led her to do a little snooping. With the help of her daughter, who had access to Keanu's Facebook and email accounts, it was then that she learned that her son had sought and been approved for medically assisted suicide, part of Canada's medical assistance in dying law, also called MAID. Discovering that her son had just about two weeks left to live before the procedure, Marcilla began to investigate. The next day, she called the doctor and pretended to be a prospective patient, describing her condition as much like her son's. The doctor, Joshua Tepper, seemed accommodating, going so far as to offer a formal assessment, which could be conducted in a person or over video conference. Not knowing what else to do, Marcella took to social media, sharing her story and seeking advice. When another physician who performed MAID procedures expressed surprise that Kiana was accepted based on diabetes... Marcilla organized a meeting with all the involved parties, Keanu, Tepper, Keanu's aunt, and Marcilla herself. Unfortunately, this meeting was mostly fruitless due to Canadian news source picking up the story. The publicity had prompted a storm of angry phone calls to Tepper's office. However, the pushback from the public led Tepper to delay and ultimately cancel Keanu's procedure. This steady increase comes due to a widening scope of how medical practitioners define reasonably foreseeable 
death, as well as an increasing number of medical conditions that doctors can accept as intolerable to the patient. Now, next year, it is said, Canadian lawmakers are expected to adjust adjust the criteria for euthanasia eligibility. See, my words aren't on tonight. <laughs> You're going to listen to me mumble a bit here. To include mentally ill and mature minors. The latter would allow underage patients to make such decisions for themselves if the doctor deems them mature enough. However, the basis for recognition of maturity in this instant is not clearly defined. So let's look at what the definition of mature minors is. The mature minor doctrine is a rule of law found in the United States and Canada accepting that an unmanicipated minor patient may possess the maturity to choose or reject a particular health treatment sometimes without the knowledge or agreement of parents. Let me repeat, sometimes without the knowledge or agreement of parents and should be permitted to do so. It is now generally considered a form of patient's rights. Formerly, the mature minor rule was largely seen as protecting healthcare providers from criminal and civil claims by parents of minors at least 15. Jurisdictions may codify an age of medical consent accept the judgment of licensed providers regarding an individual minor or accept a formal court decision following a request that a patient be designated a mature minor or may rely on some combination. For example, patients at least 16 may be assumed to be mature minors for this purpose. Patients aged 13 to 15 may be designated to by licensed providers or preteen patients may be so designated after evaluation by an agency or court the mature minor doctrine is sometimes connected with enforcing confidentiality of minor patients from their parents. Uh, wow. You know, uh, honestly, Sean, I had to, um, I got to take a moment here. It's just, it was like, I feel the, and, and I'm usually such a composed man. And this topic is actually causing, uh, it's causing the emotions to well in me. It's it's I feel the sadness in me, I feel the the anger in me for sure, and the fear I've I've described that earlier, and I'm not a person that's that's even considering or he would even be eligible for stuff like this, and yet it causes this much emotion in me. It I it it blows my mind at the lack of compassion that these these doctors that are supposed to be our compassionate people that we go to for help, our, our politicians. And and listen, I'm not saying... So I'm not 100% against euthanizing people, helping people die in a, in a, uh, a good manner for themselves. I've seen people die of cancer. I've had friends that have died of cancer. And I've, I've been in a room as someone dies that used to be... 170 pounds, and now they're 83 pounds with a diaper on. I've seen that, and it's it's a horrible, horrible way to go. And um, if the picture that I have in my mind now, if that person had decided a month or two before that that they wanted to choose a different path for them, I would have supported that, especially now that I have the experience that I did with them. And so I'm not against the idea of using medically-assisted death. But what I am against is using it as a tool or an avenue for people with mental health disabilities. 
And I'm also against it when I'm listening to this this whole idea. I didn't even know about this this youth thing. Blows me away. And perhaps you know what? There's if a, a child is in that same type of cancer situation, perhaps there there might be a place for this type of thing. And I'd, I'd really have to think hard about that because I've seen some really resilient kids. Um, but I, I cannot. I cannot wrap my head around the idea of people with mental health issues in any way, shape, or form. It, these these people are in the, they're not in a right frame of mind to be making good decisions for themselves, and now you're going to let them, when they're in that frame of mind, make a decision for themselves that's going to be life-altering. That's insane. Well, here's a Canadian veteran. Listen to this one. In many cases, desperate Canadians are being offered death in lieu of treatment of the system that can't or won't provide for them. In one recent incident that triggered national outrage, a Canadian combat veteran reached out to Veteran Affairs Canada for assistance with post-traumatic stress disorder. Instead of providing help, they proposed assisted suicide. See, and that, now, I do hypnotherapy, as you know, and I've uh, I've focused on trauma, and so for example, every single woman except for one that I've done uh, hypnotherapy on has had um, some sort of sexual abuse history, and it's amazingly traumatic for them, and and with understandable. And when they they go through that, when they get the help that they need, it releases the the post traumatic stress disorder it 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 basically it, it takes all that stress and those memories and everything that's stored in their bodies and in their mind and their memories and it it releases it for them now it doesn't make them forget it it doesn't make them happy about it but it doesn't allow them or it allows them not to struggle with it anymore it's like okay this happened to me now let me move on, and they don't re- relive the emotions over and yeah, over, and, released, the re- and, the, and the physical physical response to those emotions exactly that we, that we relive as we think on that, right? You and, release it, and sometimes it takes months to go through. Or it. Years like, oh. it takes years. I, I know for me, there's incidents that don't even compare to other people that have taken years. Yeah, and I help people with this as well through my self sabotage coaching, and that's why I'm taking hypnotherapy now to add that into the programs because mm-hmm. that's exactly it. Just how much we need to release. We're here to release it. And here's a guy that's a veteran. He goes for help, and as opposed to giving him the help, giving him a, a a therapist or an avenue, or just here's a course, take this course. Let's try to see if we can get get you through some of these emotions. They give him an option to die. Well, here, here's a Winnipeg woman that's already gone. Check out this news article: forty four year old Satya Dahara Kovac, a Winnipeg woman suffering from a degenerative disease, died in May recently after her persistent attempts. To procure home care were denied. So she wanted help. She wanted help. And, you know, we're not even getting the topic of how much money we're sending here or there and how much is being spent on. Well, even the money, let's let's be clear. I've spent thousands keeping a cat alive. I had a cat that got shot a few years ago. and, And I spent thousands keeping, like, putting the operations on and allowing him to, so he could live a, a better life. I spent thousands on a cat. And I'm not diminishing the life of a cat, but I've taken my hard-earned money and invested it into animals that just so they could have a better quality of life. And we're not willing to 
help out our our country, isn't willing to help out our own citizens in this situation? Well, in an obituary published after her death, she revealed, ultimately, it was not a genetic disease that took me out. It was a system. There is desperate need for change. That is the sickness that causes so much suffering. Vulnerable people need help to survive. I could have had more time if I had more help. And she wrote that because she, she said, wrote that. I could have had more she, time. That was, that was what she left for her obituary. And when we look at what's being pushed instead, as you know, the last few years, doors were closed, alcohol stores still open, fast food still, still open, the documented cases, what we know on what that does to our bodies, the physiological stress it causes us, the states it put us in, the reaction with these medications, the carcinogenics all over. You know, this is a podcast we could go on and on and on and about and branch each way. And I, I'm doing my best to keep my composure on it because, as you know, I uh, those are some of the biggest things I focus on with people and getting them away from the pharmaceutical industry and looking through, you know, methods like Ayurvedic healing and natural whole foods, whole foods. A lot of people don't even know what a real food is anymore. Exercise, getting sun, breath work, proper sleep, removing the toxins that just destroy your whole arcadic rhythm and your whole sleep patterns and everything. Mm-hmm. And and in my experience, um, my personal experience, anytime you've done the work with those things, that's when um, people with these uh, conditions have been the healthiest and the happiest. And and the funny thing about uh, the people with these uh, cluster B personality disorders are that when they are, they go through their highs and lows and their lows are low, like they are. And you've got to be there for them. You have to listen. They really need some support sometimes. Um, and I can understand that support can be difficult for the people around them. I get that. I've been there. But when they're highs, they see life in such a beautiful way. And there's been a speculation that the greatest artists of all times have had these uh, mental disorders these health conditions, um, and they have brought the most beautiful things into our world through art or through creation of something. It's, and here we are, we're just willing to, to let these people down, and it, and it blows my mind. And some of the conversations I've had the last couple of days has been surprising. I even had a conversation where um, uh, the individual was in support of uh, this maid's and for for mental disorders, and as I uh, was talking to her, she w- her idea was that well, there has to be a lot of checks and balances in line along the way. Mm-hmm. There has to be these people. They, they, it's not like they just go to a doctor and that's it. And two weeks later, they're they're gone, or it's not that big of a deal. And so when I started using some of these examples with her, she said, oh, well, that's a one-off type thing. Of course. Of and, course. But then I was, oh, well, if it's a one-off, even let's just say if it was one out of a thousand, just one out of a thousand, is it worth that we lose one person out of a thousand? Is, is it worth it? Like to me, the answer is no. Like if there's a possibility that we're losing someone that we shouldn't be losing, I, I don't think that's a good possibility. I don't, I don't think that's a good a good percentage for us. Well, I have some comments we're going to dive in on exactly that. I want to, I want to touch base on both views. And I, I plan on doing more podcasts on this topic and getting some individuals who have a controversial view against what I believe on this. Just as you're touching base on that right there, let's look at this, this report in Toronto again of Alan Nicholas. He had a history of depression and other medical issues, 
but none were life-threatening. When the 61-year-old Canadian was hospitalized in June 2019 over fears he might be suicidal, he asked his brother to bust him out as soon as possible. Within a month, Nicholas submitted a request to be euthanized, and he was killed. Within a month. Despite concerns raised by his family and a nurse practitioner. A nurse practitioner. His application for euthanasia listed only one health condition as the reason for his request to die. Hearing loss. And this was while he was in the hospital? He was busted out and then he, and then he put an application in. So he, so he got out, put it, an application in, and within a month, he was approved and gone through the process and gone. So this is really common for people that are, um, that, so they, they, go, they go for help. So they're in this crisis, crisis mode. And they go for help because you maybe, as they mature, they go, okay, I need help. I know I'm spiraling. So they go for help. Or if they haven't matured enough with their uh, disorder, uh, someone brings them in. But here's the case. So they, they, they get brought into the system. Now, they don't want to be locked up. They're not there to be locked up because I've been in those psychiatric wards and I've, I've gone to visit people and it's, it's fucking hell. It's fucking depressing. It's, it, it, it's, it's super depressing. It's like an insane asylum, it feels like. No, they're, they're, they're locked. They've got a room that's just, you know, a little, little bigger than my bathroom. Um, they got their bed and there's nothing to do. So they're going crazy. And generally these people are reaching out to say if, if, it's, if it was my ex, she'd be reaching out to me a hundred times a day. Not because she was needy, but because she was so fucking bored. Needing connection. We, and, we thrive off connection too, yeah. right? Not a connection of somebody just handing you some fucking drugs. And, and you know what? I'll come back in a couple hours to check up on you. There, she just connection was probably the best best thing. So, so they come into these situations and they talk to their doctor for 15, 20 minutes in the morning, and then the rest of the day they're they're sitting there for twenty four hours with nothing to fucking do. They're bored. And you know what? Maybe they got a, a little TV room. Well, the TV room is controlled by who's ever the loudest in, in that place. It's kind of like a prison. And so the rest of the people are, are basically segregated to their little piece of their world. And that's not helping. Like, and there's got to be more to it. So what they learn to do is this. They learn to fake their way out. They learn to tell the doctor exactly what the doctor wants to hear because they learn the language. They learn to tell the doctor what they want to hear, and then they get out. They don't get the help they need. Now, I always assumed when I first started to experience this that, okay, you need to go to the hospital because the hospital is going to help you. Well, all they did was pump you full of drugs, give you the prescriptions for you when you leave, and and you you know you're lucky if you got to talk to one of the nurses every once in a while that came through. The nurses in there are God blessing saints because they are the only connection these patients have. And there was so many good nurses in there. Well, in connection, that's what's this. I wish I could cite the studies done on isolation with depression. I remember oh. I had this I had it in my in this mind of mine on the conscious front when we were going through all the bullshit the last few years to speak on that mm-hmm. on how it was designed to isolate us and cause that depression. We look at how many are coming into that now and those drugs you speak of how many are directed towards the underlying cause and how many are directed towards the symptom and, and that's that's the, the symptom that's the next thing what are these drugs doing to these people? masking the symptoms and not helping leaving the underlying cause there to just fester and grow more mm-hmm. and more and adding a cocktail of side effects giving you all these other medications that you have to then go down the road to take to battle the side effects from the first fucking one 
Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm trying to calm myself. Down I know. Here I know. Bit. I just realized I'm gonna have to put explicit on this website. Yeah, uh, on I, this on this I, podcast. So I'm here. really trying to, and I'm and I'm actually, you know what? I'm sorry that I'm getting so pumped up today. And I guess my whole point with this this example that you just stated earlier was this. So my guess is this individual knew exactly what to say to the doctor. Well, no, actually, let me stop you right there, Terry. I didn't finish the article. So. Nicholas's family reported the case to police and health authorities, arguing that he lacked the capacity to understand the process and was not suffering unbearably. Among the requirements for euthanasia, they say he was not taking needed medication that he had been prescribed, wasn't using his hearing implant that helped him hear, and that hospital staffers improperly helped him along the way. So here's a guy that knew what to tell the system. So he gets out of the hospital and he wanted out. Now he probably had a goal in mind and that was so he could get out and apply for this because he was in a unstable mindset. And in my experience, if you, and I know it's difficult for the family, I get it. And I'm not blaming the family at all on this. And I know it's difficult on, on even the, the health system. But the whole idea is that we're supposed to be there for the people. And when someone needs the help, like someone call, if someone called me right now and someone told me they're standing on a bridge, I'd leave this podcast. I'd be gone. I'd run right out of here and I'd be standing there on the bridge with them, talking to them. I, that's just, and I've told people, it's, listen, I'm, I'm your therapist or I'm your teacher at this point, whatever it may be, whatever the relationship may be. Um, don't call me on a Friday night or a Saturday night. Don't call me. I'm not your friend. But if it's three o'clock in the morning and you desperately need someone, phone me and I will come there because I know what a lot of times as it is, is they just want someone to hear them and to be there, that connection that you talk about. And this individual, he knew what to say and he got out and he had a plan most probably. And I'm guessing because I just heard the story. Yeah, we're not there, right? We don't know yeah. all the details. The family's obviously quite upset. And, you know, talking on the on the other side of the flip the flip side of the coin, as you, and, and we're going to dive into some of these com- comments, it's recorded. Medical error is the number three leading cause of death mm. in North America. And that's what's documented. Yeah. That's what's documented. Imagine what is really going on with those numbers. I would think... I would I would feel confident saying it's probably number one. Well, I could I could tell I could testify to this. Um, I have made mistakes in my job. Not say not my current job. Say when I was an aircraft maintenance engineer, I had made mistakes that um, could have been never were, but could have been catastrophic, and didn't admit to it because I was a young guy in my twenties. And it's like holy fuck, I didn't tighten that bolt well enough. Okay, next time I'll remember that for sure. It's in locked into my mm-hmm. brain. But that that moment I could have I could have caused a problem. I didn't. And when you know happened to come back, I just happened to get lucky, or at least the people on the airplane got lucky. Well, the stats on that. So I wouldn't even admit to it. Imagine how many people are not admitting and, to their mistakes. And that's along with the stats, and we're not even looking at the the indirect causes of death down the road from all the medications that are pushed on people that are absolutely destroying their lives. And you know what, that's, so 10, 15, or oh, 10 years ago, we'll say, I used to be on a plethora of uh, painkillers. I was on, uh, I can't even remember, Lyrica for, for nerve pain. I was on Baclofen, uh, Naproxen, Traumasets, Tylenol-3s, Flexerols. They're all for what they call degenerative back disease and arthritis. 
and I was on all these pills. And um, at one point, 10 years ago, so for me personally, myself, I've had, I, I've tried suicide twice when I was a young man as a, because of, you know, you're talking about breaking up with lovers or whatever it was. I can't even remember the two times. One time I think I was 14. So you can't even remember. Yeah. You can barely remember them now at this stage of your life. And yeah. I got to talk, say right now, sorry to cut you off, yeah, brother. No, this man right here is such a beautiful fucking human. He has added such a great deal of fulfillment in my life, added so much to my life, my daughters, the community that I operate here. He has given so much. He's one of the best teachers in this fucking city. An amazing man. And you're here and you don't even remember something that if at that time, you may very well have been just able to walk in a hospital, fill in some things and have a doctor sign off that. And a month later, two months later, three months later, whatever the fucking date is, you're gone. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, continue. <clears throat> well, so for, for me, it's, it's, it's something that's been personal and, and, uh, honestly, and I don't, uh, talk about this a lot, but the last time that I, I uh, had a suicidal thought was 10 years ago. And it, it was a, it changed my life. I came within minutes of, now I'm a man, so men typically um, go in more violent ways uh, just because of the nature of our personalities. And I was minutes, if not seconds away from ending my life. And uh, that was 10 years ago. And that was with years of, of, you know, seminars, going to Tony Robbins events behind me, or reading hundreds of books at that time, or taking therapy courses, whatever it was. And I still, I came to a moment in my life, um, and I'm more than happy to talk about it. It's probably about a five-minute story, and I get emotional when I'm telling it. But it was, I came within seconds of, of ending everything. And my life changed in a moment, in a moment. And since that time, and once again, I'm more than happy to share it only because- Sure, brother. I know I, the story I, you're talking about. Let's hear it. Well, so for me, it was- um, This is a man who's done work on himself. I'll tell you that right now. He can be vulnerable and share that for you men listening out there. Do that inner healing because vulnerability is <laughs> a trait of a masculine man. Yeah, it's uh, it's, and even though I I don't look up back on it with regret, it's I still feel, and I've dealt with the emotions. I've gone through the, <clears throat> I've gone through the uh, therapy for myself and with other therapists, and uh, I was in a point in time when they're, I was looking at possibly losing my job. They had made up a story about me, at uh, work about me. Um, there was these two people. They're stealing, basically, is what it, what it boils down to. They're stealing the funds, stealing all the materials, and they're thieving like mad. And I'd reported them to the system several times. Uh, unbeknownst to me, the uh, the uh, principal, the person in charge at the time, was friends with uh, one of the individuals and uh, kept basically covering for them. And they kept and I and I re- kept reporting this and reporting this and reporting this, and nothing happened. And Essentially, they wanted me out because I was a pain in the ass. I was getting in their way. I was controlling the budget, I guess, and trying to keep them from stealing. And they made up a story that I was going to come to work and shoot the place up and then kill myself. Now, this was completely fabricated, and I could uh, even prove that by the fact that if it was at all even true, then I would have been arrested for one thing. Um, I would never have got my job back for, for another because you can't do that in a school system. And uh, 
I was told at one point I have to shut up and never tell this story. Well, here I am telling the story publicly now. Anyway, so I was off work for the longest time. And during – for eight months is what I was off work for. And during this time, I was uh, – I went into a pit of hell. And um, I thought I was going to lose my job. I, I started to uh, have what I would consider some mental stress and um, even admitted some things to uh, friends of mine that looked at me like I was like I was absolutely fucking crazy. And so now the whole ordeal is over, we'll say, or at least close to being over. And I'm a week away from going back to work. And I'm driving. I drove my uh, girlfriend to work that day. And um, I'm driving back home. And as I'm driving back home, I'm so stressed out by the fact that I got to go back to work because I have to face these two people. I was so scared. And I'm, I'm not going to deny that. I was scared of facing these people because um, nothing came of it. The system, I, I gave a 17-page document about how I've been bullied for all these years and... Uh, and the thieving and everything that happened. And basically these people got, uh, they covered it up. The school system covered it up. So I was, I was really having a ton of anxiety and, and fear to uh, go back to work. And I'm driving back. And as I'm driving back home, um, I'm in a two-lane road, in a two-way traffic road. And as I'm driving back, I am get behind this guy and it's a 70 and uh, for some reason he's, he's, doing 50. And then, so I'm, I'm driving him, driving him, getting close behind him. I'm kind of frustrated. And then he's doing 30 and I could, and I could feel myself getting frustrated and I could feel the anger in me building up. And, and as I'm, I'm like thinking, fuck. So I go to go past this guy. And the next thing, the guy, he's doing 50 and he's doing 60 and he's doing 70 and he's doing 80 and he's doing 90 and I'm right beside him and he won't let me pass him. And there's traffic coming in the other direction. So I have to slam on my brakes and I have to get behind him. And then I see his finger flip up. Fuck you, ha ha! And he's, you know, giving me the finger and he's laughing at me. And I'm, and I'm, he doesn't know where I am in my life right now. And I'm about to snap. I'm thinking, holy fuck, I can't take this. I got, I got to go back to work. I've put up with this shit for the last eight months. I'm, and my brain is going crazy. And I'm not in a good mental place. And then I could see this man, and I'm, and I'm just, I'm getting angry. And I'm thinking, holy fuck. I'm okay, Terry. Relax, relax. So then, next thing you know, it. He's doing 80, 70, 60, 50, 30. And I'm behind him in a 70. I'm thinking, what the fuck? This guy's messing. Am I, am I going crazy? Is this guy messing with me? What's going on? So I go to pass him again. Now I go past him. As I go to pass him, he's doing 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 100. And I'm right beside him now in, in the lane with oncoming traffic. And he's laughing at me. I could see him and he's laughing at me. He's giving me the finger. And traffic's getting closer and closer to me. And I have to slam on my brakes and then get behind them so I don't die with the oncoming traffic. And then the finger comes up and I could see him laughing at me again. Fuck you. And he slows down to 30. And I'm going irate. Well, then we pull up to a red light. And um, so as I pull up to this red light, I'm, I've, my mind has gone blank. I'm crazy. So I jump out of my truck and I run up to go to this truck and I used to always carry a knife on me and I reached down to grab my knife and this, my, something in my brain says, Terry, don't touch the knife. So I sheathed the knife back up because I, I don't want to hurt someone, but I'm fucking crazy in this moment. 
And as I go up to this guy and I, and I'm all, and I'm, and I'm like, what the fuck is your problem? And he starts talking, fuck you. And he's yelling at me. So he goes to roll up his window. Cause I said, you don't know what you're dealing with, what I'm going through right now. And he says, fuck you. And he goes to roll up his window and as he goes to roll up his window, I smash it with my hand and he gets mad. And he says, and I, I break my hand in that moment. My hand just basically shatters as I smash this window, but I feel no pain. And this man goes to get out of the, he's like, what the fuck? And he goes to get out of the car. So as he goes to the get out of the car, I step back and I, and he goes, as he's stepping out, I grab the door and I slam it with him and I smash him and he drops. And then when he drops, he starts to bleed and he's lying there on the ground. And I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, what the fuck did I just do? And then I could see the people in the traffic start, like all of a sudden I, I become aware of everything around me. And I could see the people looking at me and, and they're like, what the fuck? Like they don't know what to do. And I don't know what to do because this man's lying in the middle of the road and he's, and he's lying there bleeding. So I panic and I jump in my truck and I take off. So I race home. And I get home and I'm standing there in the li- middle of my living room I got blood dripping off my hand. It's pooling on the floor. And I'm thinking to myself, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't live like this anymore. And my brain's racing. And I've been, I've been living like this craziness for months. Now it's just sort of peaked. And it's like I couldn't take it. The, 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 the moment came when I said, okay, I've had enough. I couldn't take it anymore. And I'm standing there and the blood's pooling. And I'm all, I can't do it. So I walk over to my gun cabinet and I open it up. And I had it by my bed at that time because I was so paranoid. And I was sitting there and I I open it up. And as I go to open it up and I reach in and and I grab one of the guns. And I got the gun in my hand and I got blood dripping all over it. And I don't know what it was, but as I'm standing there, I look and there's a, like a foot away, a little table. And on that table, there's been a Bible that's been sitting there for 10 years that I've been meaning to open and meaning to read. And I, and I got the gun in my hand and there's blood dripping down all over the place with my broken hand. And, and I put the gun down and I picked up the Bible. And I went and sat down. I started to read. Now as I'm reading, there's blood still pouring out of my hand. And there's blood getting on the pages of the Bible. I still have the Bible now. And I started reading the first page. And as I'm reading the first page, I'm I'm crying. And I could feel the pain in me. But I couldn't do it because if I know I'd done it, my girlfriend would have had to come home and find me. And I know I would have left everything. I knew I couldn't do it. I knew for a reason that that Bible's been sitting there for 10 fucking years waiting for me. As I'm sitting there, the blood's pouring off me still and it's pooling on the couch and on the floor. And I'm reading the Bible. I got to like page two, maybe page three. (laughs) Bible's a lot to read. And then I decided, that's it. I'm, I'm not, I can't do this. So I grabbed the Bible and I walked and I went to the hospital. And I walked into the hospital and I got fucking a little trail of blood. 
And the lady says, well, what did you do? And I said, I got into a fight. She says, well, it's going to be a long wait. I said, okay. So I went and sat down, started reading the Bible. I don't even think I read a page. And then they called my name, going for x-rays. So I walk in the back and I'm still all blood dripping everywhere. And as I get to the back and I sit down and I'm sitting there waiting for the x-rays and I think I'm on like page five now or something. The lady walks by and she says, oh my God, you read the Bible? And I'm like, yeah, I, I guess I do. And she says, oh my, what, what's your favorite part? I said, I don't know, maybe page five because that's the page I'm on. And she laughs and she says, you know what? The world needs more people like you. The world needs more people that, that are willing to do the work. And in that moment, I thought, holy fuck, the world needs people like me. And I got my x-rays, and I kept reading the Bible. <laughs> now that day, I come home. My girlfriend comes home, got my hand all bandaged up, all done up with the doctor. There's fucking blood everywhere. <laughs> she freaks out, but I'm fine. And from that day on, I started doing the work. I started fucking reading. I read that whole Bible from front to back, every single word. And that's a lot of words to read. I started reading voraciously just everything that I could dive into religiously, self-help, psychologically. I read everything that I could, and I found strength in me. And from that moment, I have helped thousands of people. I have been around thousands of people. I've inspired. I've listened to their stories. I've got hundreds of letters upstairs in my house telling me, thank you. I've got counselors, emails. I, I, I take these things and I laminate them. I love them so much. They mean so much to me. They're my prized possessions out of everything that I have. It's because these are the lives of the people I've touched. And if I had made that decision 30 seconds later, I wouldn't have touched any of these things. And now I'm sitting here doing a fucking podcast talking about maids and, and listening to, to these ideas, how, how, how these they could be ending these lives. They could be seconds away from these things. And I've experienced people that have these types of traumas and these types of disorders. And I've seen the fucking magic they bring into the world. And that the idea that our government is willing to risk and take that magic away because they're not willing to give the people the connection, the help, the resources, whatever the fuck it is that they need to give them. They think that giving them death is better for our society. It's not, even, it's not even a close. Help the people. They need the help. Just like I needed help in that moment, and I found it by a lady that was walking by and said they need more people like you. All I needed was that one thing. Imagine what we could do if we all gave one thing, or at least something. Society needs to step up. It's mm, beautiful, man. It was deep. Watching you uh, share that. If you listen in. That came from the heart, I can tell you that. We need a purpose, especially as men, both women and men. Men strive for that purpose as leaders to have an impact to make change. So many of these people that are going to have their lives taken from this system that's being put in place are never going to have the chance to step into that role and touch all the people and a positive way that they would have had a chance to if they simply got the help that truly cared about them. You know, listening to your story there had me thinking on, you know, something you touch base on at the end of the podcast, really, you know, what's the answer? 
what can we do right now? And it's something, you know, Terry and I have conversations on quite often, um, as, uh, both seemingly turn into activists these days, making a stand where we can, trying to make a positive change. And as I've expressed openly on the podcast previously, found myself coming from that place of anger, deep down below that, truly a place of fear, and just causing more divide. And Terry and I speak on that often on the approach because there's still a, a line that needs to be danced on with bringing awareness. And I definitely know the answer for anybody listening and I know anybody who's listening this far, your, your heart's touched right now and you're feeling, feeling for those that are in need. And we need to step up as a human race. We need to step up and reach out to those around us, put our selfish desires off to the side, stop living such a materialistic life and be there to truly help hold our arms out, hug a neighbor, share those words of wisdom you can just ask how someone's doing and give them a compliment. Open a door. Help our youth understand the feminine, the masculine, the polarity between each. How combined, it's an unstoppable force. It can do so much good. I know Terry and I will be diving into a lot deeper. So as you're sharing that, you started out talking about the cocktail of medications that you're on. For your back issues, hmm. was that at a time that you were still taking all those drugs? Yeah, so. I actually um, kind of can't even remember why. Sorry, I got kind of into that story there and kind of lost. So I, I know this. Um, I was I was taking all these all these these painkillers at the time, and then I went to my doctor and I told him that um, the feelings that I was having as I was off work prior to prior to this moment where I had my I don't want to use the word awakening, but I had my eyes opened. And um, his answer was to give me another pill. And I remember it was this little blue pill. I can't remember what it was called, but it was to help me sleep and to reduce my anxiety. And I looked at this pill and I thought, what the fuck? Like I'm already spending 400 bucks a month on pills at the time. I was taking so many pills. like, And I was a walking pharmacy. And then I got this other pill. And I thought, wow. I don't want to take these pills. Like, and actually, almost immediately after that, that moment that I had uh, where I decided that life was worth living, I really fucking dove into it. Um, probably about six months later, I was got into an argument with my uh, insurance company and they wouldn't pay for my pills. They're like 400 bucks a month and they wouldn't pay for them. So I, and I worked my way up the ladder until I was talking to the top lady and she said no. I said, well, fuck you then. I'm not taking any of these pills. She said, well, we don't recommend that. I said, I don't care. I'm done. And I stopped. And I, I stopped. Like, and I wasn't taking that little blue pill that he had given me, whatever the hell it was. I refused to take that. But I, I said to this lady, I'm not taking any pills. And I stopped. And I took all my pills and I put them in a bag and I hid them just so they weren't in my face. And uh, it's funny because a couple of years ago I found them and they, they're all expired like from eight years ago. I thought, wow, look at all these pills I used to take. And what I did was... I started eating, like I, I ate fairly healthy then, but I started eating clean. I started exercising like I used to. I started really exercising. I started spending time in the sun, like I made a point of it. I made a point of, of being outside in the fresh air. I started all these books that I was reading, including the Bible, talking about 
your thoughts as a man thinketh, so may he be. Mm. I started I started really listening to my thoughts, and I I really I changed my lifestyle. Like I changed everything. Now technically, I still have this degenerative back disease, which is just a real fancy word that your back's all fucked up with arthritis. But technically, I have that. I don't take painkillers for it. I don't take any pills at all. Like when I go to the doctor now, which is pretty rare, um, I tell them I don't want a pill. I don't care what it is. I don't want a pill. Like if I need some physio, then let's do that. But I won't take any pills. And my doctor already knows this. It's pretty rare that I take a pill now. So I spent, say, three, four years taking these pills. And then one day I quit, just stopped. And I'm not suggesting that people do that. I'm not a doctor. I'm not, I don't know what medication you're on. I don't, I don't know what your situation is, so I'm not suggesting that. I know what I did, and mine were for pain, and mine were for uh, muscle and nerve pain. So I stopped, and I changed my lifestyle, and I have never felt healthier. Now, do I have pain? Yeah. I'm an idiot. I break bones all the time. I do stupid shit. I break stuff. I pull things. So yeah. I got a broken elbow right now. Does it hurt? Yeah. Holy crap, does it ever. But I don't even take pills for that. So I, I really encourage you to, to find a healthy way of living. Get in the sun. Do the grounding. I went outside the other day. Like It didn't last very long. <laughs> I like, grounded outside in the snow. I was like, shit, I don't like this. Oh, you know what I read, actually, which is kind of funny off topic? I, I thought, can I ground in my basement? <laughs> so if you stand on cement... It will ground yeah, you. Yeah, 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 so, 100%. Yeah. So now I'm back in my basement. But you probably have insulation under uh, No, I don't. I, I live in an old house. Yeah, okay, okay, so right on. So my yeah. God is, well, the floor doesn't have it. So I went and I've, actually, I know the spots because I've dug up somewhere in my basement where it's pure mud. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm not going outside in the 30 or you know, 20 below, whatever the hell it was. I was standing in my bare feet. I was like, damn, this is cold. <laughs> so you can do it in your basement. That's <laughs> it. Well, you, you said something there, Terry that I didn't touch base on, you, you know, I wish everybody, um, not just those who are, you know, leaning on any kind of pharmaceuticals right now, but everybody listening and, and to share with everybody, you know, take your health seriously. Your body is the temple. Eat real food, whole foods, a well-balanced and diverse diet, drink clean drinking water, get yourself away from the fluoridated heavy metal water that's coming out of your tap. Get out in the sun. Those UV rays are crucial. It's your life source. Exercise. Make yourself sweat every day. Get your lymphatic system going. Push out the toxins. Try cold therapy. Talk to somebody who's actually going to help you release the trauma. We all are holding some. And it's not a one and done process. You have to continually integrate what you learn. And you, t- you said something there, as I said, on as a man thinketh. If anybody doesn't know the power of visualization, the power of manifestation, the kingdom of heaven lies within. And I truly feel that means the power of your mind. I can share so many things in my life, the good and the bad, that is manifested from what I've believed, what I have dwelled on, what I have thought on. Your inner world is a direct result of your outer world, but as well, your outer world is a direct result of your inner world. The environment around you, what you're choosing to surround yourself with, the content you're looking at, the the relationships you're entertaining, the quality of conversations you're entertaining, 
the music you're listening to, mm-hmm. the movies you're watching. When you're watching movies, this is something I teach on in my courses, self-sabotage, which are rolling out pretty soon. Start watching the backgrounds. Dive in a little bit of research on how your subconscious mind works and how it's scanning everything at like 12 million bits of information per second compared to your conscious mind of like 124 bits, not million, 124 compared to 12 million. Start looking, how many drugs are they popping? Prescription pills, alcohol, guzzling back, coffee, all damn day, robbing from your adrenals, taking energy from later in the day, robbing from your future self. Do yourself a favor and take one, just one modality and start executing on it to raise up. Mm-hmm. Something I focus on continuously. I do these 40 days of devotion. People look at the list when I share it. I stop sharing it. <laughs> so it'll scare people in, in diving in so deep. You got to remember, I've been a, you know, a fitness trainer since I was 18 and moved into, you know, mental health for the last like, seven years now. Um, these things I've been adding and adding and adding and adding. So I have quite a large list, but it's not overwhelming to me because I have some of them that are, are habits now, right? You, you create it as a habit. You, you take something new and, you know, it's going to hurt for a little bit. It's going to be hard. It's going to, you know, change does give you that uncomfortable, uncomfortability feeling, but you need that uncomfort to have some growth. And it takes some time. And it takes some time. Push into it, Right. And then it'll become something beautiful that will become natural and you'll just do it. Then you can stack another habit on top of that. And maybe you'll be able to start removing some of those pharmaceuticals or those of you out there, maybe you'll be able to start making some more money from the new health and energy that you have with you and can start buying the better foods. Well, isn't that, and, and so people get so scared because they'll say, well, look at you. So what you, for, for me, they say, oh, so you you read the Bible and you were great the next day. I was like, no, fuck. No, fuck no. It took me, it took me a year. You got to integrate that. It took me a long time b- before I was, it, it took me probably three years before I was really even, okay, I was walking on sunshine at, at one point and really helping myself and helping people, but it took some time. And, and in society, we're not, the system's not based on helping people over time, as opposed to, Locking them up for, you know, like say say you lock someone up for a month and, and I'm going to use the term lock it up because that's pretty much what they do. They spend a, a huge amount of resources doing that. And let's say they, let's say they continue to do that. And I'm not saying that's not a bad thing, but how about when they get out? Why don't, why don't we buy them a gym membership? Why don't we get them a personal trainer? Why don't we provide them with a reason to be outside? Why don't we support them a little bit? Cause I know, uh, that relationship that I was in with my, uh, I guess my last girlfriend, um, she would get off, get out and she wouldn't have a job. So she'd be so frantic because she wouldn't have money to, to support herself, to pay the bills, to pay the rent, to pay all these things. So she, she, that would cause a, a tremendous amount of stress for her. Well, if you want these people to be successful, let's help them set them up for success. We have this massive welfare, uh, a load in Canada. We can't, help out someone that actually want, if someone goes in to the CRC, the crisis response center and asks for help, they want help. They're not saying I'm just a failure, fucking solve things for me. They want help when they get out, provide them with some resources. Don't say here's maids. Here's an option for you. Fuck that. Why don't we get them a gym membership? Why don't we give them some sort of uh, income so they could, they could say, okay, for the next three months, I'm going to be on this income or six months or whatever the hell it is. So I could work on myself. And 
and send them to these courses. Because I know when they would go to uh, uh, CBD and DBT courses, it would take her a year to get into it. A fucking year. So she needs these courses that are going to help her survive and change her mindset. But it takes her a year. She needed it a year ago when she was in the hospital. How, is it, how long does it take her to get a prescription, though? It, she yeah, she got out of the hospital with it. Mm. And then she would walk down to the Shoppers Drug Mart, because I would drive her. And she'd walk in and have a fucking plethora of pills. Well, I think the short answer on that is follow the money. Follow the money. Follow the so, money. But you know what? If we had actually helped, the, helped here's some income, here's, here's a gym membership, here's a, maybe here's a diet plan. Get, set her up with, uh, what do they call those, clinicians? Uh, I can't remember the people that help you with your food. Oh, a dietitian. Dietitian. Yeah, nutritionist. So, yeah. so, and then set them up with, with the, the programs and these people. So follow the money. There could be just as much money in industry, not going all to the one people or the, you know, the pharmaceutical company, but there could be just as much money within the system helping individuals and in society be better at what they're doing. Never mind giving them the option to die. Give them the option to live. Give them the resources they need. Well, that integration process you talk about there, you know, for me, it's about 10 years ago from continually self-sabotaging relationships that I became aware of my father wound was a, was a, a fear of abandonment and not trusting the masculine. And this was at a time when I was transitioning from, you know, I had my construction company that was doing quite well. I was doing personal training on the side in the winter time and I was transitioning into, into life coaching, let's call it. I call it now self-sabotage coaching as my eyes have been opened up and really understanding the programming and integrating what I learned from that fear of abandonment, healing that wound. It took me a decade to do and I was putting exercises together and it took me so long because I was drinking alcohol mm. and eating still a lot of shitty food and even as a certified personal trainer and doing nutrition as well, diving quite into it, I didn't have my eyes open to the toxins. I was still drinking the tap water. I was still consuming products that were sprayed with pesticides, products now that are you know, genetically modified to be growing where they can be sprayed with glyphosate. Mm-hmm. And we consume that. And what that does to our body and our stress response, our adrenaline. So now removing alcohol, and you know, the last... Oh, since I've been in this home, I guess almost four years ago when I connected with Andy Frisilla, actually before I connected with him, but I came across his content and uh, started diving into 75 hard. That's where I started taking alcohol off the table for a certain amount of time and then bringing it back on for a couple of days. And I go back on the program and remove the alcohol. I started getting my alcohol under control. Now I dive into, you know, I haven't even told all the listeners who don't know me, but what, everything I did last year, um, but alcohol started coming back in my life and, and getting me off track. And that's ultimately what led me um, losing my uh, restraint, my true power, my true strength when that individual came uh, up and, uh, you know, egging me on and, and uh, you know, encouraging me to uh, do what I did and put him in the hospital and me, you know, on, on uh, house arrest now. And what I'm, you know, long story laid out, what I'm getting at is it wasn't until I removed the toxins and really started eating healthy. And, you know, my standard, what I was eating before, people would have thought, holy fuck, you're great, you're disciplined, you eat healthy. But now getting rid of the inorganic food and eating all whole food, it was at that point I was able to integrate that a lot quicker within, you know, a year and a half. And then I became aware of my feminine wound, the overwhelmed wounded feminine that I grew up with 
taking over the household with three kids and the abuse from the father beforehand, having that inside me needing to release that, something I've been integrating the last year and a half now. And it's been, the process has been, you know, you know, I want to say beautiful is the first word that's come to mind. You know, I choose to live in a beautiful state. You have that choice. Um, but it doesn't mean it wasn't painless. And, you know, part of that is releasing that trauma, you know, crying it out. As as some of you might be hearing this masculine, manly voice say that, yeah, fucking cry it out. Release it. Give yourself permission to sit with those feelings and release them. And I know for me, and I'm just talking about alcohol and, and toxic foods, what that did for me. And I think in relation to, you know, all the side effects from these pharmaceuticals uh, and, and, you know, the combinations of them that people are inducing and then adding, you know, how many cups of coffee a day on top of that to get going through it. And I know a lot of people aren't going to want to hear me talk about coffee uh, and caffeine, caffeine specific, but I, I do have uh, um, some big news coming out pretty soon on that for you to open your fucking eyes. Um, and a lot of you aren't going to want to accept it. I know that. Um, but I hope many do. I'm, I'm actually creating a course on it right now. And there's, there's tons of research documented in lab on what that's doing to us. And you add that in the mix with everything else. And it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's just a ticking time bomb. And I do feel that, uh, you know, powers that be are very aware of that. Just, just the same as the tobacco industry, you know, when that first came to, to light that, um, you know, the, the products were killing people, um, and they came to shut them down. Well, they just, they just made a deal with the tobacco industry. So, okay, we get a certain cut now and, and we're all in bed together on this. Right. So it shows, you know, it, you're, you're burying your head in the sand purposely. If, if you're pretending that, you know, certain government officials were above have our best interests at heart. And obviously that's my biased opinion, but it's pretty fucking strong. And I think if you look around with a clear mind, not fogged up with fluoridated water and alcohol and caffeine and all the shitty food, you'd be able to wake up to that and see it and see what's really happening right now. Yeah. And I, you know, and and, uh, as I was listening to you, the the thing that really stuck out for me that would help these people that are um, about to uh, become victims of this maids, I'm going to say, because victims they are going to become, is... um, you dealt with your wounds and you dealt with your trauma. Now, I, I can't remember what the percentage is, but it's massive. It's like, and I, and I wish I had a stat in front of me now, but it's like 80 or 90% or possibly higher of the people that have uh, BPD um, have been sexually abused mm-hmm. as, as kids or, you know, uh, young preteens, whatever, wherever you want to draw the line on the word kids, but they've been abused, sexually abused, and um, they haven't dealt with the trauma. It, so w- when I took my hypnotherapy courses, um, when I first started taking them, I thought, man, I'm way out of my element here because I, I was sitting in with psychologists and social workers and, and all these therapists. And I was thinking, wow, I'm, I felt really, I, I felt the imposter sy- syndrome at the time. I thought, shit, I'm, I'm in the wrong room. I don't think I could sit in this room with these people. And as I uh, went through it, you know, like three months later, six months later, a year later, a couple of years later, and I watched the people come and go through the courses, I thought, fuck, are these people broken? Like there are so many broken people that were taking these courses and we were doing therapy on one another. And, and as we we're doing therapy on one another, I was just, I was amazed. And, and so, that, and it, I noticed it right off the hop. And I guess my point is this, is these people that are in the system that are supposed to be working with the system are just as broken as the system. And I'm not saying everybody is incapable or, or they're not um, there for a good reason because uh, I think a large majority of the people are, but 
they have their own issues. And now you take someone that's been abused as a kid or whatever the situation is, and, and it creates this um, mental disorder within them, and then they don't deal with the trauma. You, you can't deal with trauma by giving you a pill. Like, it doesn't work that way. No. And you can't deal with trauma by cleaning your diet. And I'm not advocating no. against cleaning your diet or exercising or getting in the sun because uh, I think those are all great things. And I've seen people, their, their quality of life and mindset elevates dramatically. Yeah, the trauma's still there, though. But the trauma has to be dealt with. And when you get these, these young people, say it might have been your sister or my, my ex-girlfriend, um, and you get them in the system and you don't deal with the root trauma— it doesn't fucking matter how much medication or how much you sit there and listen to them, you know, take a CBD course. You, you need to get the proper help. If our government truly cared, truly cared, if the system truly cared, then they would be getting to the root problem of the trauma. And you can't go into every household and, and make people not get abused. But if that abuse is going to happen then you could give the people the help they need to deal with the abuse. That's where, that's, uh, we, we need to do that. 100%. And, and for anybody listening, you know, if you're looking for methods and maybe, you know, you're in a position where you can't financially afford, um, you know, a hypnotherapist or somebody who can really dive in, a psychologist who can really work with you well, or a self-sabotage coach, you, you know, there's self-hypnosis and there's breath work. I've seen strides mm. happening with breath work and releasing trauma. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think on something I saw yesterday here, and you talked there. And I'm curious, you know, your thoughts. An individual with this uh, diagnosis since a kid put this post together. ADHD is the result of a radical intolerance to conform. <laughs> Took me a second to think about that. Um, How many boys have been pushed on ADHD? as they're a little bit too busy in the school system. Well, you, you know what? Uh, I guess I'm old enough now that, uh, so I was one of those boys. Mm-hmm. I was um, I was the class clown, they called it. Every single one of my report cards came back, handwritten class clown. You know, I was a troublemaker getting the phone calls. Um, I guess when I was younger, they just called troublemaker, class clown, stupid. It, that's That's what it was, right? It was... And I didn't get any medication. What I got was a whooping at home when I got home. It wasn't, uh, you know, let's medicate this boy. It was let's let's deal with this boy. Um, but <laughs> that's actually hilariously truthful in a lot of ways. I'm thinking. I don't know the whole spectrum of the well, ADHD. I'll, I'll, but I'll, yeah, neither hilarious. do I. I'll share the uh, I'll share the uh, caption he added with the post, and uh, you know, it does ha- it resonates. It resonates uh, even so with. With what we've been seeing the last few years, uh, the individuals taking a stand against it, um, typically for the most part being the rebels, mm-hmm. um, the ones who you know were ostracized and had a hard time in school, um, and I find it uh, you know an interesting connection. Um, this post was put together by an individual uh, with the username holistic life navigation, so holistic life navigation. So he's obviously now making a big impact. Um, Seems he has a large following, um, a a lot of engagement on his post. And uh, he he wrote up here following that. And again, that was uh, stating ADHD is the result of a radical intolerance to conform. 
I was diagnosed at age nine with ADHD, Tourette's, and nervous tics. I would wince and scrunch up my face, twitch my fingers, and compulsively hum a high-pitched sounds. I distracted children around me and was ridiculed for this all through middle school. So, I was prescribed an antipsychotic sedative called Haldol to suppress the symptoms. Take that in a nine-year-old developing their body on a sed- sedative because of inconvenience. My mom flushed the pills down the toilet and would lovingly say, Honey, you're making your faces again. You could say that was my early exposure to embodiment and awareness of the subconscious. It turned out many years later that I was a singer with many songs in me, many screams and cries as well that were repressed when I was constantly bullied. The humming was a slow leak of those muted expressions. I became a guitarist and a pianist and wrote 150 songs in two years. The twitch in my fingers has something to say, and these instruments allow me to express and hear them. My ADHD turned out to be an expression of something new and strange, a mind that couldn't conform. That is absolutely beautiful. I, you, for, you know what? Right off the hop, I'd like to, I wish I could hug that mom right now. Like, man, same, does same, she ever exactly. deserve some accolades? Good for her for, for being so self aware. And uh, what a story. Like, nine, that he had all that, that knowledge and energy and, and magic in him at nine. It just didn't know how to come out yet. You know, I wonder if my mom would touch base on that. I know, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it hits deep, this conversation. I'm happy to, you know, as you can tell, if you're still listening, we've been able to relax a little bit um, and uh, rest in that faith and, and, you know, understand just conversations like this being had or bringing awareness and getting the word out and encouraging people to help people heal and release trauma and understand everybody has their own trauma they're carrying around. We need to embrace the dark side and dive into it and understand it and release as much of it as we can. Mm-hmm. But also embrace it. Embrace I, it. I put out a post today that said the light doesn't always have to come from the darkness, no. but it can. And I'll tell you this, um, my light has really come from the darkness that I experienced 10 years ago. Like I've really shone, shined since since that moment. And it wasn't just a, like when I tell the story, people think I just picked up the Bible and that was it. I was miraculously cured. It didn't, wasn't like that. It was, it was a slow progression to where I am now. And... Um, but I, I, and as as any as you could tell when I told the story, I still feel it emotionally. I wouldn't have changed it because I, I'm a. It's made me who I am today. And you know what? Um, so if there's anybody out there right now, and uh, I hope I'm not making a mistake in the moment, but I'd like to say this: um, my time is very limited, and uh, and I, I have to be careful of. Uh, how much of my energy and resources I put out there. But um, if there's somebody out there, you know, there's that, that needs help and they can't afford the help, um, I could take on, you know, one or two people right now and uh, help them with, through my hypnotherapy and any type of coaching uh, deal with their trauma. There may be childhood trauma. We're always going to go back to the childhood, but uh, whatever it may be, if there's if there's someone out there, and if fifty people pull through, I can't I can't take all fifty people. I wouldn't have the time to do it, to be honest with you. But if uh, you hear this and you uh, truly want to, you could reach out to me. And um, if I can't 
take you on because so many other people have already come forward, then uh, I could definitely put you uh, towards somebody else that could. And if you if you can afford it, please don't uh, don't don't reach out to me for a free service because I'd really like to have the front of the line be um, someone that is in need and and doesn't have any other resource. So if there is someone out there, um, it's my God-given mission in life to help as many people as I can. So if you reach out and it's been it's it's been too long and too many people have I'm sorry if I I couldn't help you, but if there is someone out there, feel free, please, because uh, you never know even where I can direct you to even some resources. So, and I'm hope I'm not putting myself too much on the line here when I say that. But <laughs> coming from the heart, coming but, from the heart with it, a man with a big heart. But it is coming. I just, I just, for some reason, I feel like there's someone out there right now that that needs to hear that, and and I'm, I'm connecting with you, and I'd, I'd really like to connect with you on a, in a in a way that could be helpful for both of us. There's people here. And including myself, as I've mentioned on the last podcast, I am still taking on clients right now at no charge. I have room for one more, and I'm happy to uh, offer the same as Terry has here. And if you want to get in contact with Terry, you can reach out to me or we'll include his information at the end of the podcast here. You know, something I was thinking about before, Terry, before I, I bring up two controversial topics before we cap off here, as I want to bring them up and we'll dive into a few of the comments. We'll uh, We'll keep this under two hours. Um, <laughs> something I, I would often say to my clients or, or even just people that were going through a hard time, um, I actually got this from one of my, uh, my mentors, Bradley, that had me thinking when you were talking that I don't know if I would get the same response on this anymore, um, with just how much depression and, and mental health issues there are out there right now and how much confusion and now this being normalized, right? Like we haven't even touched base on the, the tribal mind part of the equation here. Now, for those of you who know me or, or understand how I coach, I, I work really specifically with how your subconscious and the tribal mind trying to fit in with the environment around you. Now, when we start normalizing assisted suicide in our mm-hmm. tribe for just a mental health disorder mm-hmm. that becomes normal and it becomes something that you will much more easily be drawn to mm-hmm. and unconsciously make a decision to just as we see, which I am going to bring up on the topic as we see the, what 400% increase in children transitioning, becoming transgender the last few years as it's been being normalized in society the drag story time all over and being you know, positively reinforced on the news and social media and by so many parents who, sorry if you're getting irritated by me saying this, I know you deep down are trying to do the best and you have the best, you're best at heart for everybody. You do. I understand that. You've been fooled. Your mind has been programmed. And I would love for you to, to test me on that message me with respect and I'll teach you a little bit about how the subconscious works and how it's programmed. The movies that you're watching, the TV, the repetitions, subliminal messages all over. There are people who understand the mind better than Terry and I do here. And they've been playing with it for quite some time. And now when I was talking about 
the analogy, let's call it, with that Bradley gave me. I'd ask my clients, you know, hey, like I'm doing fucking amazing right now. I just got massive sponsors. I got the the community, uh, new building being built right now behind the scenes um, that's already generating money from from uh, investors. I got the programs launching out right now that I know are going to change so many people, probably fucking millions of people, and it's going to bring a lot of money into that I can help build on, you know, purchase uh, investment properties. I got a lot. I'm doing well right now. So, hey, y- you listening. Actually, let me ask you, Terry, and you're in a good place, but this is what my concern I'll, I'll say. So after, you know, I'm going to give you a million dollars in your bank account tomorrow morning. Would you wake up, see that transfer and celebrate? When I celebrate. You just got a million. Now, I know for yeah. me, you might not accept it. <laughs> no. But if you just got a million dollars gifted to you, yeah. would you wake up and celebrate? Well, would I'd you be have, excited to I'd see have, that? I'm going to have to be honest and say, yes, I would. Of course I would. 100%. Yeah. Okay. So now what if I told you, I'm going to give you a million dollars tomorrow morning. Show you my bank account right here. Got the money. But I'm going to give you this pill right now. And in three days, you're not going to wake up. Your life's over. Not a chance. Not a chance, right? Not a chance. But if I, let's back up though. So if I, ignore the pill. If I was to give you a million dollars every day of the week, would you wake up like, woohoo, celebrating? No (laughs) strings attached? 100%. But you wouldn't take the pill though if your life was over three days after. Not a chance. Okay, so anybody listening out there that that, can relate with Terry saying you would celebrate, but you wouldn't end your life to enjoy that money for a couple of days. So you choose life over a million dollars. 100%. Why the fuck aren't you waking up every morning celebrating that you got another day like you would with that million dollars considering you choose life over the money? Are you waking up every morning? Woo! I got another fucking day, baby. Because I am. I got a sign right on my fucking bedroom door. And that's how it should be. The present is a gift. It is a present. Live it to the fullest. And understand there's people out there who can help you release that trauma, who can help you unravel, dive in, and unravel the issues that are causing you so much pain, and even physical pain. It's been proven emotional pain can transfer over to physical pain in the body that Mm -hmm. can be released from people who actually care, that aren't just trying to write you a prescription who knows if they're getting a kickback on it or not so they can get to the next person and then get off and go enjoy their cushy life. So what had me thinking on that is I don't know if everybody would answer the same like they used to now. Mm-hmm. Bringing this being normalized in society now. That's a, Which is disheartening. That's a really disheartening thought. And as you said that, uh, you know, my you, you lifted my spirits there for a second. Then when you said that, what you just said, it was like, and and I know I've I keep going back to my ex ex girlfriend right now, is um. Man's in love. No. <laughs> well, another I do, topic. Another topic. I, I I do love her. Don't get me wrong. I have much love for her. Um, it's, I remember Terry's my good friend. I like razzing on yeah, a little bit. Yeah, much love, much love for her. It's 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 it wouldn't it wouldn't work, but um, I think she would uh, she would choose the pill. And that's what I'm scared of with this maids thing is we're 
it's acceptable in society now. We're, we're creating then, it. Yeah, that and I, and I, I think I w- it really nailed it when you normalizing. Be, it. I wouldn't be surprised if we see it up in the news with people um, executing on it, and there's positive reinforcement. Yeah, uh-huh. just like we see people in, in, in wheelchairs or unhealthy people in the front page a lot with positive reinforcement programming your mind to mm-hmm. thinking that is what is acceptable in this tribe and that's what you should do to fit in to survive and thrive and not stand out where you get ostracized where you get ridiculed mm-hmm. criticized in a way that you don't want in an uncomfortable way you know let's look at you know before we top off like i said there's two topics i want to touch base on here and i do have actually a, a, a really what i feel a good video that's just a couple minutes i want to put on the recording here um but firstly let, let's look at the pandemic no matter what your views are. Now, it's, it's another disheartening thing, understanding, you know, sitting down with somebody in my family, you know, I'm the only person who has the views I have. Um, I'm not going to hate anybody with the other views. I do understand a lot of people are starting to wake up now, um, but a lot of people aren't. And, you know, what was it, Pfizer? And I don't know who else did um, state on record that they never had um, the studies done um, or any tests um, showing that the vaccine stopped transmission mm-hmm. openly, yet everything was shut down because of such, oh, well, let's back up. No, it wasn't at the beginning. It was all shut down for the PCR tests. That was, again, openly stated publicly. It was not reliable at all. <laughs> it would give, what, 99% false readings. Mm-hmm. Yet nobody barely turned a, an eye, uh, even though we shut down all these businesses, closed our doors from family, friends, and people were watching their grandmothers and and family members and friends die over Zoom. And now we have so many that were pushed out of their workplace because, oh, if you didn't get the vaccine, it stops transmission. So screw you. You can't fly anywhere. You can't work. Yet now they stated they never had that information. It was a blatant lie. If you don't know this, please look into it. Where are we at with all of the the mental health disorders now from the last couple of years? Again, I wish I had the statistics to cite just on what isolation does, isolating you and staying six feet away from people so your energetic field doesn't vibrate closely with yours and you can't rub off on each other, true connection. There's a lot of things that were meticulously placed and thought out very well to, I believe, bring us to a point of the greatest place of depression that we've ever seen. Let's let, let's look at this now. This is this is something. <laughs> this would be another thing where people are conspiracy theory. Um, I'm going to play a little short video on you know this has been circling around social media uh, lately and um, with the uh, with the euthanization that's being pushed, uh, people seeing it. And I do want to uh, count this. It was in 2021, so last year um, now. But we've seen from the beginning, seeds are always planted. Everything, um, the mask maybe, we might have to wear a mask. It might be a vaccine, it might this or that. The seed's always planted to get you used to it, to open you up to it, right? It's like the boiling frog and water effect, right? Little bit by little bit. Now, this seed was planted in 2021. Listen up here. Let me pull up the video. This has come out recently out of the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario. The college sent out a a letter or a memo to all the doctors in Ontario suggesting to them, now so far they're not mandating it, they're just suggesting it, that any of their unvaccinated patients, that they should consider that they have a mental problem and that they should be put on psychiatric medication. 
So far, it's just a suggestion, but the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario should not be making these kinds of suggestions. This is extremely unethical, and this is a very, very slippery slope. Uh, if, if they're suggesting that people who wish to have bodily autonomy and, and don't want an experimental vaccine, that there may be something mentally wrong with them, that is a very, very dangerous slippery slope that we're on. What are your thoughts on that, Terry, as you hear that? Well, it's the first time I've heard it, so I'm a little shocked, to be honest with you. And my next thought is, um, so I am, once again, I'm not, if you're on any type of medication, I'm not advocating you get off. I never advocate that. Um, I, I don't know what your condition is, your situation is. I don't know what kind of pills you're on. I'm not advocating to, to, to get off your pills. Um, talk to your doctor. And if you don't trust your doctor... Talk to I, I suggest also doctor. also talk to a natural health healer. Get a get a second opinion, please. So so talk to some people though. Just don't just don't just stop it because I've seen. And don't just do, talk to your doctor. Also, it's yeah. time people start getting a second opinion. Well, well, fair enough. Even 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 talk to a few doctors or, or whoever it is. I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not a doctor, and I'm not telling you to get off your medication. But I'll tell you this: the answer to all of life's problems is not medication. So. It, to to listen to this guy say that if you made a choice for yourself, you should be medicated because we disagree with your choice, it blows my mind that that could even be considered a possibility. Like, talk about de- deteriorating the mental health of those individuals that don't need that medication. And what, uh, what are you going to do? If you're going to say, here's your pills, take them. Are you going to watch me take them? Because I ain't taking them. Well, maybe they're going to tell you you can't work here now. Well, right? They, so we got gonna... right here comments on this in, in in support and argument against, you know, this man's opinion uh, stating it on, and people spreading this worldwide right now. Um, being Why all of a sudden are people spreading that this will be mandated? From what I read here, it's a far cry from being mandated. Now, didn't we hear similar conversations even from the mouth of himself, Justin Trudeau, with the vaccine that would not be mandated? Uh, that definitely was uh, part of the conversation. And then what happened? Well, we all know what happened. We all know what fucking happened. You need to wake up. Okay, I'm going to try to calm down because it's it, it's <sighs> the amount of people that I have come to me that are in a really, really bad place right now from just the last couple of years, let alone life period before then, is overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And... That's just a drop in the ocean that we all are. We are. Um, uh, I don't know how exactly this is connected to maids, and I get it, and I'm, I feel the passion in you. Um, I, well, for me, I'll, I'll t- for how I connect the dots there is, okay, so we're, we're, they're looking at pushing pharmaceuticals psychiatric drugs on people who are vaccine hesitant or against the vaccine, pharmaceuticals, psychiatric drugs that are known to cause a long line of side effects and health issues, mental stability issues that add to more use of psychiatric drugs that bring a lot of people to the point of total depression, total loss at what to do, covering their symptoms, never releasing the trauma, and at a point now where they can dive in to mates, that they can have assisted euthanization. Yeah, I, I get that. And I could see the connection. I, I think there's some 
there's definitely some uh, speculation there to connect the dots. And and the only reason I there say there is that, a lot, but if we if we rewind on my message for the last couple of years, there was a lot of speculation, yeah, I, and we can see a lot of fucking on point speculation that came true there. <laughs> and you know what? And I and I and I get that. And and uh, you know what? It's like the only reason I say anything is because to me this maids conversation is so fucking important, and the idea, those examples you stated earlier with the kid and the 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 man that hurt his back and the 44-year-old lady, and the experience within your family, and the experiences that I've had personally, and the experiences that I've had with people that I love, um, this maids conversation is unbelievably important. And I wouldn't want to cloud it with anything besides what is being presented to us now and what we know and say, okay, fuck, this is, this is not right. And I know I've had a conversation with people that have supported it, and every single one of them all thought that it was like, okay, there's there's going to be checks and balances that are going to keep people that shouldn't be put through the system out of the system. But we know that's not true already. Well, I can understand you not wanting to cloud it, but at the same time, we have to we ha- we should be addressing the underlying issues and what's leading up to this, the the footstools, the, the stepping stones up to it that is being pushed by our very government. Well, fair enough, I, and I. For, and I understand it is going to throw some people off, right? It is. And for, I, I get you there. For me, it's, it's the lack of resources. People need to deal with the trauma. We need – the government needs to say, okay, never mind. We're going to kill these people or help them die just so I could use that term so I don't offend anybody. We're going to help them die. How about we're going to help them and then leave the word die out? We're going to help them. We're going to let them deal, help them deal with the trauma. We're going to help them get a a healthier life. We're going to help them learn how to eat better. We're going to help them learn how to exercise. We're going to give them resources to do so. We're going to give them the real resources. The real resources. And that's where it has me wanting to know. I wish I could have a statistic on when this goes through, how many of the individuals that go through with this maze program were on psychiatric drugs. Or getting, how about... I would like to. I, I would love that, to see that, that's and, I, a really and, good I, and I feel confident in a speculation I can make. It would be very, very fucking high. That's a real. And how about how about this? That's a great. That's a great question. And how about how many of them were actually getting resources outside, outside of drugs? Precisely. Exactly. Like, and and how many of them were were actually exercising? Like having some sort of. It could be just going for a ten minute walk. I'm not saying you got to lift. You got to deadlift three hundred pounds. But you, you could you can go for a ten minute walk, get out of your house. How many of them were eating healthy? How many of them had enough money to actually buy? Because you know what it's like to buy healthy food. It's expensive. So how many of them had these resources to to provide these basic mental health necessities? I'm literally at three thousand dollars a month right now for myself <laughs> and my daughter, where I have half the time for my food and water and a little bit of cleaning supplies I use because I actually make most of my cleaning supplies. Those of you who are listening, get away from the toxic cleaning supplies, the toxic deodorants, the toxic colognes, the shampoos and conditioners that are absolutely toxic. There's natural remedies, ones that you can actually make quite cheap. Get away from the toxic cookware, any nonstick cookware. It's fucking killing you. Mm-hmm. And I, I am going to open up a conversation before we cap <laughs> off on something else that, that you may think might cloud it. But it brings again to the underlying issue and one that needs to be talked about and I will do so with restraint. Um and, and respect, and we'll dive into a few comments here and then cap off after where I feel this is another another stepping stone where we see the, the what's the best way to put it? 
I don't even know how to label the movement anymore. Um, the, what's a way to put it with respect without saying, I don't know, the alphabet and transgender community being pushed on children right now and, and transitioning drugs, hormone blockers and whatnot. What's your, your quick reply on that before I put a video that has some good stats on, on what we're seeing right now? Well, that's a pretty big question. Um, I know. It's a whole other podcast. My, uh, how I would connect it to the conversation we're having right now is um, you're taking young people and you're putting artificial hormones and drugs into their system. And um, I've been advocating to do the best you can do in life without the drugs. And that I don't care if you're uh, LGBTQ or if you're, I don't know, alpha male or alpha female or whatever the hell it is that you identify as. I don't care if there's a way to live your life without giving yourself a plethora of a concoction of artificial drugs into your body, then don't. And once again, I'm not advocating to get off any drugs. I'm advocating to do your research, talk to as many people as you can, talk to your doctors, your health services, your natural health people, and do what's best for you. And if you do decide at some point to get off your drugs, wean yourself off, do it properly, do it healthily. And have a backup plan. Be exercising. Eat healthy. Have people that you could talk to. Have resources around you in case things don't go exactly how you predicted. So with this this question you had, um, anytime you're introducing any type of uh, pharmaceuticals into the system, regardless of the reason, it should be. Um, I don't agree with it in this situation at all. I don't see it to be a, uh, a healthy way of dealing with a... Uh, a problem, a concern, a belief, a thought, whatever label we want mm. to put on that situation. And I bring it up not just even on the pharmaceutical side, not even the hormone blockers and whatnot, but even just period, the agenda being pushed and confused on kids. You know, I, I've spoken before um, on a, uh, um, a post I, I shared of a, of a young woman who, who stated, thank God my parents didn't push me into – changing my identity, identifying as the opposite gender when I went through a period of being a tomboy and wanting to play football and do all the things my brother was doing and dressing up as a boy as it was a very normal thing to go through as I became into finding myself and grew up into the beautiful woman I am and I'm damn happy they had some sanity in their minds. And that was pretty well her words put. When I shared that, I got... I think more responses and messages than I've ever received from my followers from women saying me too, same thing, went through the same thing. And that's what really opened my eyes to what was being preyed upon. And, you know, this isn't something we're going to unpack too much, but I do want to touch base on it a little bit. I have a three minute video here I'm going to put on, and this is by Tulsi Gabbard, who is a former Congresswoman, ran for president, veteran, surfer, and soldier. I just came across her the other day, and I felt I feel she put this together very well. So listen up for three minutes here, and then we'll uh, wrap this up pretty soon. According to uh, a research paper that was recently published to the Journal of the American Medical Association Pediatrics, show that there has been a 389% increase in children receiving mastectomies from 2016 through 2019. I want to say that again. Children receiving mastectomies. The UCLA School of Law's Williams Institute published a study that found the number of transgender youth in America has doubled in just the past five years. 
And when you look at these statistics, you've got to realize that this is not an accident. This didn't just happen. This is very intentional. And it's the consequence of this radical agenda that is being pushed on our kids. They're rejecting the existence of objective reality by rejecting this most fundamental truth of the differences between a biological male and female. Now, even as there are no long-term studies on the effects of these dangerous treatments on our kids, those in power in government and so-called medical professionals continue to push them. Many of the standard protocols that they are pushing include puberty blockers and hormones, some of which were just recently flagged by the FDA because of their plausible link to serious brain disorder, cognitive problems. Now that hasn't uh, stopped President Biden from going and telling parents that, quote, affirming your child's identity is one of the most powerful things you can do to keep them safe. To parents of transgender children, Affirming your child's identity is one of the most powerful things you can do to keep them safe and healthy. You've got transgender U.S. Assistant Health Secretary Rachel Levine claiming these dangerous treatments actually empower our youth and that any dissent, anyone saying otherwise, is driven by political motives. Trans youth need to be supported. They need to be affirmed. They need to be empowered. There is no argument about the value and the importance of gender-affirming care. There is no argument. A lot of that is political. I think that there are people that are using transgender individuals as a wedge issue, and so that is um, precipitating some of the very challenging and difficult bills um, in, in, in many of the states. This angers me so much because of who is being harmed by these people in the most powerful offices in this country. What they are saying could not be further from the truth. Now, the study from the International Review of Psychiatry found that 80% of those who identify as transgender and seek medical intervention eventually lose their desire to identify as the opposite sex. Countless so-called transgender youths have grown to deeply regret their decision, citing it as the worst mistake of their lives. What's your thoughts on that when you listen to that, my man? Well, we've been talking for a long time, so um, I think this uh, this topic would. Uh, it's a whole other conversation on its own. But what I'm what I'm bringing I'm, why I'm why I'm bringing this up is this encompasses everything together when we look at the government and and what's being pushed on us on all fronts. It's it, it, when you look at the amount of mental health issues being caused directly from the actions our government takes and then bringing out a protocol as maids and allowing it to be opened up to youth in the very near future, which I believe, I know I've seen before that in Canada, I can't remember the age, but I believe youth without parental consent can get these drugs now, don't mark me exactly on that, but I do remember seeing something that was pretty outrageous and what is being hidden from parents due to confidentiality for children as they're put in the school system. So I'm bringing this to your attention. There's a lot going on right now that is really pushing the envelope of mental health and depression issues, everything that falls under that category. And now we have a government reaching out with one hand to feed you a ton of fucking pills. And another hand to give you a poison that's going to kill you. Probably just a uh, uh, the same as the pill in the left hand, just a hundred times stronger.
That's uh that's a really interesting way to end this podcast. I'll tell you that uh I I can't argue with you against that because um when I hear it it's like it makes sense to me. And um it it brings a massive amount of uh empathy and sympathy for the people right now that are getting drawn into the system because um You've heard me say it, this maids is not an answer. We need resources to help people. And when you made those connected those dots for me right now, it's like it's um I need to process that a little bit because I'm thinking, fuck. Whoa, wow. And we'll 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 dive further into this and I encourage anybody listening that has a opposite view to, to message me and do so with respect. If you come at me with hate, I just block you. I don't, I don't allow that in my field. I'm not going to entertain it. But if you want to have a civil conversation, hit me up and we'll chat about it. Or if you have somebody that you think I should bring on the podcast and talk about this further, because that, that again is just a few of the things that are being used. I say against us, not even addressing, you know, the poisons through the food, through the the drugs, the alcohol, the tobacco, the vaping, everything that our government profits off of paints a pretty fucking clear picture to me. And I'll uh, apologize for the explicitity that I've uh, shared as it does come from a place of, uh, yeah, there is, there is some fear that still, that still drives up inside this man that gets the better hold of me at times. Fear for my daughter, the future for her those around me, my family, my friends, the people I'm trying to help you listening right now. But thankfully I've done enough work where I can grab hold of that fear pretty quick and release it and lean into my faith. And I do know someday soon that that won't probably ever come up. And this will just be a very Zen podcast. So you'll probably see that transition. Uh, any last words, my man? What do you now? I heard you say, um, you know, you just you just answered the question I was going to ask about people getting a second opinion, you know, talking to their doctors, and then you know said healthcare practitioners and whatnot. I want to emphasize the latter on that: the healthcare practitioners, the holistic approach. Please dive into it. Um, if you do not have the funds to do so, hit me up or hit somebody up that you know that has the contacts that can at least get you directed to the information that you can at least start reading on or questions you can ask, things you can try out that aren't going to have adverse reactions to your body and probably give you some benefit and relief from what you're suffering with. Now, I do encourage that you share this far and wide. Take a screenshot right now. Tag me on Instagram. Sean, S-H-A-U-N, J, Zimmer, Z-I-M-M-E-R. That's Sean J. Zimmer. Get this message out there. I ask you to do that. Let's open up a dialogue. Let's help everybody we can, including myself, evolve where we can get a better method of delivery, better message, better actions taken to lift the consciousness of this world, this planet Earth that we're all here to experience up to a point that I feel was made, designed for us by the divine to truly come to our full potential and live to, which is nothing like where we're at right now. So that's where I'm checking out on. Now, Terry, where can these beautiful people, our soul family listening here, connect with you on, my man? 
Well, you can find me, uh, you can connect with me at my website, UR Relationships, all one word, Y-O-U-A-R-E, spell the word relationships.com. Find me on Instagram, UR Relationships, Terry Anthony. Facebook, I'm on Twitter, but not that often. Uh, send me an email, terry at urrelationships.com. I'd love to hear from you guys. I am... Uh, I really hope that people think about think about how they're living their lives and how you can help people and how people how you can get help from people. Once again, reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. Um, God bless everybody. Much love. Uh, yes, much love, much love. And guys, keep an eye out coming up soon. Before the end of the year, I will be having my nicotine free course launching very soon caffeine alcohol my addictions 40 days to devotion course all programs designed to reprogram your mind and help you live your best life along with my self-sabotage program course as well as some guided meditations breath work and self-hypnosis so until next time take care guys keep your heads up put in the fucking work to live a healthy life keep your mind straight take care of your body Treat it as a temple it is. Things we show our kids right now is also. Take a stand. Don't-